0: i uh-huh. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper for another 2021-22 post game recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, as well as Apple Podcasts. Leave a review if you would like. Follow me on Spotify and, of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Make sure to hit the notification bell on the YouTube channel so you know when I'm going live and when my latest video is out. Make sure you comment on the video after I'm done for the algorithms so we can get back in their favor as we approach the playoffs. Today is going to be a short one before we take the questions on this Sunday afternoon. The Clippers coming off an early game today against the Detroit Pistons in Detroit. Of course, if you remember, I did go to the Clippers-Pistons game at the Staples Center. There is a vlog. It happened on Black Friday. You can check it out on my channel under playlists, uh, Clippers 2021-22 home game vlogs. As far as the Laker game tonight, I will be watching it, but I will do a recap on it tomorrow after the Clippers and Lakers play again tomorrow. So crazy to have both LA teams having back-to-backs, but we'll talk about it all tomorrow as well because tonight I'm going to be seeing some friends. So I thought I would go live now and share my thoughts on the Clipper game as well as a little bit of KG's retirement ceremony. Tom Brady just announced he's coming out of retirement. That's huge news. And then I'll also be talking briefly about Chelsea and the sale, about Rowan Abramovich and all that. So let's get down to the fun stuff. The Clippers tonight or today going into Detroit, a Detroit Pistons team led by Cade Cunningham, who's starting to bolster his case for Rookie of the Year. He's playing really good basketball. We saw him play, you know, when I went to the game and I thought that he was really like poised and, you know, he has a good eye for the game and pick and roll, and seems very comfortable in that kind of setting and handling the ball and stuff, and was creating good looks, just wasn't hitting anything, just wasn't showing that he was a threat, but he has slowly gotten adjusted to the NBA game, and now he's playing really good basketball, averaging around 17-5-5, and which is, you know, not too far off of LeBron's numbers in his rookie year, however, LeBron was playing in a totally different era, so different levels of player here we're talking about, but that's no diss on Cade, who looks like he could and he could and will probably end up being a great player. And finally, the Detroit Pistons have a pick that they can really be excited about here. And they're starting to play better basketball of late. And we saw that today with how hard the game was compared to last time. Their defense was much sharper. You know, they were communicating better. You can tell when a team is, is playing good basketball just by the way they communicate, the way they move the ball, you know, the, the, the swagger they have about them. And the Pistons seemed like they were much more in sync with one another and trying harder on defense than the last time I saw them. The Clippers were not, despite the slow start, were not lacking for the beginning of the game. I think we were just lacking shot making. We were getting our looks that we normally get, but in particular, Nico Batum and Amir, Co- Amir Coffee could not make an open three. At one point, Terrence Mann went to the basket and missed a point-blank layup. So I was thinking to myself, you know, we only scored 16 points in the first quarter, and, and they scored 24. You know, the Pistons did not do anything out of the ordinary. You know, Sadiq, Bay made a contested three. You know, you're going to have some tough shots made in every NBA game. But overall, I thought we were holding our own defensively fairly well. And that's part of the reason why we didn't let the game get too out of sight despite our slumps. And somebody I got to give a real, two players I really got to give a shout out to on the defensive end are our two worst defenders in the starting lineup. Marcus Morris Sr. and Reggie Jackson. I thought today their rotations were really good. They knew all their coverages, who to switch on, who to go underneath screens on, who to go over screens on. They were just sharp, you know, and I thought their effort on both ends was really high, you know, coming back to their former former city where they played. All We had three former Pistons, Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson, and Marcus Morris Sr. And remember, Marcus Morris Sr. was part of that 2016 playoff team that was actually really solid with Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond, Stanley Johnson and Reggie and they lost in the first round to the Cavaliers with Kyrie and LeBron the year that they won the championship and some of those games were close even though they got swept but anyway Clippers only had 16 points in the first quarter but because we only allowed 24 we were still right in it despite some nice shots made by Detroit. And in the second quarter, you know, we stepped up a little bit offensively, had 23 points in that quarter, but still just could not get much going. You know, it just didn't feel like we could make a run. We were down 53 to 39 at the half. There just wasn't much, many bright spots to talk about. Cade Cunningham, you know, he had this nice post-up move too. I think it was on Brandon Boston Jr. who got seven minutes today. And again, only one of three, didn't really get a chance to get in any rhythm and didn't make shots when he was in, you know, made one. But he took him to the post and got an and one, and I was really impressed by that. You know, Cade Cunningham, a really solid game today. 10 of 20 from the field, 23 points, 9 rebounds, and 10 assists, and only 3 turnovers. So he's clearly starting to get more poised, more comfortable, and it looks like he could be a star in the making for sure. And today we saw that firsthand. But the third quarter, the second half, was totally different. And you got to give credit to obviously, you know, you'd assume that Ty Lue said something in the huddle or in the halftime meeting locker room. But it's also, you just got to give the props to the players, you know, the difference that they showed hustling, playing tighter defense in the second half. You know, in the third quarter, there was a play, a sequence, where Nico Batum dove on the floor and then Reggie Jackson on the loose ball that Nico Batum created also dove on the floor And came up with it. It was a jump ball. We won the jump ball. And I think Isaiah Hardenstein was the player that scored on the other end. It may have been Nico Batum. But it was hustle. The hustle totally changed the game. And also shot making. And the guy that really led the charge. And it felt like for a long time of the game. There was only one guy making shots for the Clippers. And that was Marcus Morris Sr. Who has been absolutely fantastic since Paul George's. Has gotten injured. He's obviously gonna have his games where he does not hit and doesn't contribute as a result because he's not a very all-around player. He's kind of just a bucket getter. But today he was an all-around player. He was playing good defense, but his shot making wasn't incredible. You know, obviously, we know about the face-up contested mid-range, like very 80s, you know, style. And then the contested threes that he can hit. But today he was getting star-like attention, he was getting double-teamed. He was getting loaded up on. And, you know, how do you combat soft double teams in loading up? Contested mid-ranges. And that's in terms of scoring if you don't want to give up the ball. If you want to give up the ball, you got to cut middle and flash middle when they load up. Because loading up is basically what they say you couldn't do back in the day, even though teams used to disguise it in the 80s and 90s. But when you leave your man and just guard an area, just basically guard where you think the offensive player is going to make his move. And Marcus Morris Sr. combated that with his com- contested mid-ranges. And I also Isaiah Hartenstein, who came in in the third quarter, I thought him and Zoo both played well today as the game progressed, especially. But Isaiah Hartenstein in the third quarter did a really good job of flashing middle. And he got a floater or two off of that when Marcus Morris Sr. was getting loaded up on. So I thought Isaiah's activity was really good as usual. His defense was good as usual. He finished with 12 points and four rebounds on five of seven shooting in just 17 minutes. So that's the type of impact you want to see from your backup center. Isaiah has been doing it all year. He had a little rough stretch right after he came back from injury, but he's really started to play better again, Uh, including the game I was at the other night against Washington, where he was much better than Zoo was. But that was Zoo's worst game of the season for me. Reggie Jackson, another player that really got better as the game went on. His floater started going. You know, he hit three of seven from deep. I'm pretty sure... The majority, two of those at least were in the second half. He finished with 15 points, eight rebounds and nine assists and only one turnover. So that's something I've been very critical about with Reg, that he's been, that he turned the ball over too much. He's very careless sometimes, but tonight he was not dilly-dallying on the ball. He made quicker decisions. He made smarter decisions and that's reflected from the stat line. And, of course, the win. And we were able to take the lead in that run with Senior, with Reggie. But a guy, again, we've – by the way, guys, the Clippers were down by 18 points tonight – or today. So we were – you know, we looked like we were not going to win this game. 18 points. But – we stuck with it, and you just know that this team is not going to quit. You know how resilient this group is, especially when we don't have Kawhi and Paul George. There's no quit in this bunch. And somebody, you know, 10 of 30 from three, that's part of the reason why we didn't beat them by more. The Clippers, that's what they shot today, 10 of 30. But we were good at the line, shooting 16 to 20, which is huge. Overall, shot 45% from the field. And also got nine more shot attempts than Detroit. So in a game that's only decided by four points, we had nine extra shot attempts to the Pistons, and you got to give credit to guys working on the offensive glass, one of which was Ivica Zubots, who had four offensive rebounds and 15 rebounds overall in the game. So Zub continues to show that he can be a double-double machine when given 30 minutes consistently. He had 14 and 15 today and was 6 of 11 from the field. And Zubots is averaging 10 points and 8 rebounds, but he only averages 24 minutes. So if you gave him five more minutes, I guarantee you that's two more rebounds. He'd average a double-double. But Luke Kennard was the guy I was going to say has been so pivotal in so many of these comebacks the Clippers have had this year. He legitimately looks, when he shoots the ball, I think it's going in every single time. And today was just kind of not much difference. Six of 13 from the field. Four of seven from three. He was part of the push. And in the third quarter, we outscored the Pistons 31-19. To that totally flipped the game, and we rode it out. 36-30 to 30 in the fourth. I thought we made really – it didn't get too close down the stretch. We were just able to take care of business, lock in on defense, you know, the Pistons only scored 49 points in the second half, which is not like an insanely low amount or anything like that, but I'd say it's probably slightly below average for today's NBA. And, you know, the Pistons aren't a very good team. They're 18 and 50, but they have been playing better lately, and we are very shorthanded still. So the fact that we were able to just go out there and get the job done, even when shots were not falling, was really big. So the final, 106-102 from the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. The Clippers move on to 36 and 34. Damn, guys, that's 70 games. We only got 12 games left in the season, y'all. Wow, it's flying by. I've obviously been to, I think, 19 games this season. So that's my career high. I'm going to go to game number 20 on Wednesday against the Toronto Raptors. So a vlog will definitely be out then. I haven't seen the Toronto Raptors play since. I've only seen them once, and that was with Chris Bosh. And they kicked our fucking ass in 2009. But, yeah, Reggie Jackson hitting a tw- the 27-foot step-back jumper to give us a 4-point lead when we were only up by 1 with around a minute 40 left was huge and then Marcus Morris Sr hitting that step back uh mid-range uh with around 36 and a half seconds left really sealed the deal for us so Marcus Morris Sr easily my player of the game today 31 points, 7 rebounds on an efficient 10 of 19 from the field and 60% from deep on 3 of 5 and eight of eight from the line. You do not hear Marcus Morris Sr. getting to the line that much because he does not get to the rim like that. He does not have the quick first step. He doesn't have a great handle. But today he actually, on one play against Corey Joseph, he did something that I really enjoyed. You know, typically we see we see Mook take advantage of mismatches with the post game, which is traditional. But he at one point just went right at him, face up, right into his chest and just like bullied him and ran him over like a bulldozer and scored. And I thought that was awesome seeing a little difference in you know, ways to score from Mook. Zubats, as I said, 14 and 15. Reggie Jackson, 15, eight and nine, as I said, on six of 16 shooting and three of seven from deep. Amir Coffey didn't shoot very well, wasn't his best game today. But as always with Brewmaster, you can always rely on his defense to be solid and for him to give good effort. And um, God, I'm I'm stupid because I didn't, (laughs) I just realized I did not hit record for the podcast version, but oh well, we can maybe do a strictly YouTube one for this. Anyway, as I said, Luke Kennard, 16 points. Somebody that was a little bit quieter today, Terrence Mann, 6 points, 2 of 3 from the field, and only 23 minutes played. And then Nico Batum, only 2 points on 1 of 6, and 0 of 5 from deep. But don't get me wrong, Nico made his impact felt in the second half on the defensive end. For the Pistons, as I said, Cade Cunningham, 23, 9, and 10 on 10 of 20 from the field. Marvin Bagley who came over in the trade from Sacramento actually had some really decent moments today. He was plus 1 when he was on the court. He had some nice jump hooks. So maybe there's still some hope left for Bagley. Maybe Cade Cunningham can be the guy that pushes Detroit forward and tries to revive this franchise who is who are a top 10 franchise historically in the history of the NBA. They're one of the original franchises. They you know had they made it to the playoffs in 1968 with Dave Bing who if you don't know about definitely check him out they made some references to him today how he was the only rookie of the year besides grant hill for the pistons so dave bin if you want to see how he played go check out my dime Dripper time machine series he's involved in episode one 69 all-star game and he's also involved in kareem's first game episode two so he's a player man he did some spectacular things that i highlight and then of course we know the bad boys we know they had bob lanier And then, of course, the 2000s Pistons that were an Eastern Conference Finals team every single year. So this recent era has just been the worst era of Pistons basketball, even though they had some dreary times before Dave Bing showed up in the 60s. But Cade Cunningham may be that guy that revives this. You know, Jeremy Grant's a very solid player. Sadiq Bey can shoot the hell out of the ball. Whether he's going to be a bench player going forward on a team that can contend for the playoffs or play in or a starter will remain to be seen. but. Other than that, they're going to have a very high draft pick again this year. So if they can find a guy to pair up with Cade, that would be fantastic and ideal. And I think Isaiah Stewart, who didn't play today, is also a really solid player. But Marvin Bagley, 15 points, 8 rebounds on 7 of 13 shooting. Jeremy Grant, 21 points, 5 rebounds on 7 of 15 shooting and 4 of 8 from 3. Corey Joseph, ten points, six rebounds, four assists on three of ten from the field. So we did a good job on him. And then Sadiq Bay, thirteen points, eight rebounds, three of eleven. So we did a good job containing him. Let me just talk about also a guy by the name of Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett got his number retired a couple like an hour ago. I watched the whole ceremony. It was beautiful. Paul Pierce was there. Kendrick Perkins was there. James Posey was there. Leon Poe was there. Eddie House was there. But more importantly, Ray Allen was there. So that was – and they had a group hug at center court. That was really interesting just, you know, with all the beef throughout the years to see them kind of embrace one another. Will Ray Allen get his number retired in Boston? Most Celtics fans seem to say no. Kevin Garnett, in my opinion, should be the last one. Should be the last one. For now, although a case can be made for one Rajon Rondo. So give me your comments, guys. Celtics fans, especially if you're watching this, give me your comments on if you think Allen or Rondo should get their number retired. But Kevin Garnett was a no-brainer. He changed the feel around that Celtics team along with Ray Allen. But Ray Allen's a lot more business-oriented in terms of, you know, just being a machine, locked in, not very expressive about his emotions. Not, I, I don't think of Ray Allen as a leader. You know, he did lead those teams in Seattle, but I don't know if he was the vocal leader or anything like that, if he was the type of guy that said, guys, get on my back. You know, we go in, we go in places, get on my back in this game. I'm going to take you past the finish line. Kevin Garnett is that guy. Kevin Garnett is one of those guys that not only did that, but he was so expressive. He was so, he talked about wearing his heart on his sleeve. Kevin Garnett was that guy to a T. And I really, as an emotional guy myself, a person that wears his heart on his sleeve, can't hide his emotions, plays with emotion. Kevin Garnett was somebody that was really relatable in that sense. You know, I'm not a trash talker when I play like that, but I'm into the game. And Kevin Garnett was somebody I so thoroughly enjoyed watching. I never took it for granted. You know, I wish I could have been live and doing Dime Dropper in an era like that with guys like that, so tough. You know, I do think that there is is a, a little smidgen of a fake tough guy with kg sometimes that he wasn't about all the smoke that he always suggested he was but as far as this era he would definitely be like a tough guy for sure and he was always willing to trash talk and get into it with players um he was he was incredible he was incredible his post game his skill his pick and pop game his ability to guard everybody literally a guy that could guard two through five you know what I mean against most guys and he would be perfect for this era as a five but he's just one of the greatest power forwards of all time. I do consider him more of a Timberwolves than I do a Celtic. He's definitely an all-time Celtic. He clearly has more love for that franchise, does not mess with Glenn Taylor, the owner of the Wolves, uh, definitely misses with Wick Grossbeck, Danny Ainge, and the Celtic culture, and he brought that some of that Celtic culture back. He brought that pride back. I'm not saying Paul Pierce didn't have that pride, but he gave him a team to contend again, and he did it on the defensive end. You know, Wick Grosbeck said something about, we haven't seen this kind of defense since Bill Russell. You know, I haven't watched the 80s and the 90s um, and the 70s really in full. However, it is safe to say that Kevin Garnett could be this, the best defender in Celtic history as far as big men after Bill Russell. He probably is. You know, with all due respect to Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, and Dave Cowens, who were exceptional in their own right, and Satch Sanders as well. But Kevin Garnett, it was awesome, guys. Go check that out. It was really cool. He cursed like a sailor like he always does, and I was just touched. You know, seeing the players of my childhood get their numbers retired uh, makes me feel a little bit old, but it's also just, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Last couple of things I wanted to say. Chelsea, my favorite football club. I still haven't watched the game from this weekend, from today, this morning against Newcastle, so please don't give me any spoilers. But – you know with the whole ukraine russia thing and our, our owner being russian and roman abramovich is being forced to sell the club it's really saddening um but it is what it is it just makes me nervous who's going to get this club next because despite the fact that chelsea wasn't as dog shit before abramovich as people think we were not the empire that we we are now the worldwide empire who knows if i would have been a chelsea fan even though my aunt lives in london and closest to chelsea who knows if i would have even been a Chelsea fan had Roman Abramovich not purchased the club and done what he had done with them. Ruthless Roman was a, is a guy who accepts nothing like bomber accepts nothing less than the best. You don't win. You don't meet expectations. You get fired. You know, ruthless Roman. Look how many managers we've had since I've started watching Chelsea. I'll just give you an example. I've been a Clipper fan for 17 years. I'm going to list all the coaches we've had in that time. Mike Dunleavy senior interim coach, Kim Hughes, Vinny Del Negro, Glenn Rivers, and Tyrone Lou five coaches in seventeen seasons. Now, for the for Chelsea, since two, only twelve years, so five less seasons. Carlo Ancelotti, Andre Villas-Boas, Roberto Di Matteo, Rafa Benitez, Jose Mourinho, Gus Hiddink. Antonio Conte, Mauricio Sarri, Frank Lampard, and Tommy Tuchel. Ten coaches, twice the amount, which tells you that, and Chelsea has won more than the Clippers, which tells you the standard of what Roman Abramovich, Chelsea Clippers haven't won anything, which tells you about what Roman Abramovich was on, so... It's it's sad. I'm nervous. I've heard rumors about the Kings owner, Vivek, trying to purchase Chelsea. Please, dear God, sell them to an owner who has proven that they can run a successful sports franchise. That's not Sacramento, and that's not the New York Jets. So please, Chelsea board, please do what you can. But I'm going to miss Roman Abramovich. He is a legend. He will forever be one of us. He will forever be the guy that made Chelsea a worldwide brand. Last thing, I think that was it. Kevin Garnett. Was there something else that I was going to say, guys? I don't don't think so. I think that's it. I didn't watch any other soccer. Oh, by the way, Tom Brady. Yes, unbelievable. Announcing he would come out of retirement on some Michael Jordan shit. Uh, I think that his hunger for winning is just so vast that he just wants more. But guess what? Guess who eliminated him this year? the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Whose house? Don't think we forgot. And don't think that we're still not celebrating and feeling like champions every single morning we wake up here in Los Angeles. We are the champions. We're at the Freddie Mercury. So Tom Brady, you can come back and try to get it. But guess what? We can knock you out and retire you again. Because 99 is ready to come back and win again. Thanks for joining me, guys. My